Welcome to the Amazon Legends Podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. And uh, my next guest today, you're going to love this guy. Uh, it's not because of just his story, but uh, his, uh, it's, it's incredible. So um, he's, for starters, he's from the Ukraine. So thankfully, uh, him and his family came to the U.S. well before the conflict started. So he's well acquainted here many, many years. I mean, he's American. You'll see. And uh, so, so his real story is he worked for three different Amazon sellers for almost a decade. And now all of these sellers, like, you know, they say, oh, you really pick him. So he picked these three sellers. All of these three sellers fell victim to the Amazon strategy because Amazon moved in on their product line. And before you know it, they can sell it anymore. So he's out of a job. So he's looking around. And they say to him, you know what? Nobody's going to give you a job because you don't have a college degree. So sit down, forget it. You're not going to get hired. So he says, you know what? Okay, fine. And he starts his own business. Now, you know, most people feel bad. I mean, this really hits you hard. You know, you don't have an education here. You know, you're not going to get hired. So he didn't feel sorry for himself and didn't play the victim. Said, okay, fine. He starts his own business working with sellers. Five years into it, he is doing very well. He's making sellers successful. And today he's going to tell you about how he's done it all. But most important, he's going to share some real uh, tactical secrets that today Ukrainians are kicking Russian ass with. So, uh, <laughs> so we're going to hear directly from how it is done. So with everybody, uh, with that, uh, meet my guest, Alex McDollowich. So welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate you having me and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my experiences. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to hear. So when you and I uh, connected and then we were discussing about how to start the show and everything. So um, you, you said some very profound things that they don't really, you don't hear put that way. It's a very simple message, but it really is the formula for success. So tell us what that is. Uh, basically, it's connecting the dots. So uh, with Amazon, in an Amazon universe, there are many, many dots to connect. So give us the dots that you're talking about. Yeah, this, these are the dots between the psychological and emotional connectors in your product and completing that conversion. Okay, so what I'm hearing is, first of all, your listing how it's built and how it's presented. But your approach is this needs to be seen from emotional standpoint, right? That's yes. what you are saying. So yes. uh, mm -hmm. give, us, give us your take on, on how that plays out. 
Uh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Um, so let's say you're you're looking for pillow protectors, uh, and specifically one of my clients is you're looking for pillow protectors. When you're shopping and you're looking at different pillow protectors, are you really buying a pillow protector? Are you buying A, what it protects against, and B, showing yourself sleeping comfortably? Because that's where the real power is. People buy because they see themselves using the product. If you have a uh, a food scale, right? You don't want to show your just the food scale because that's kind of boring. You know, you could show from different angles, but everybody does that. But show fruits on there, show something healthy on there, and using it like for coffee or for fruit or something is going to make the real biggest impact. You know, if you show a uh, a mattress protector, you want to show a family really being comfortable and sleeping and being put into the position of, hey, I'm not even thinking about this pillow protector. I'm thinking about comfort. I'm going to enjoy time with my family and I'm going to focus on what's important. And I think that's an important take that I, I approach where I'm looking at any products that I'm doing, whether it's pillow protectors, whether it's car detail accessories, um, what really connects with people, with my demographic. And that's very important is that you want to understand where your range of demographic is and target certain cores of that demographic. Um, mm -hmm. So, okay. You said something so profound and you know you follow knowledge and you give it to us but i want people to take away this line it's very important people that shop on amazon do not necessarily buy products they see themselves using or showing off those products right that's correct so that's the emotional connection that you are making through your listing with the the buyer so uh, so your example is a pillow protector so just showing the picture of a pillow protector versus someone who looks like you you think thinks like you sleeping on that pillow protector now as a buyer you are seeing yourself using that product and then you say, oh, that's for me, right? That's what you're getting at. Yes. Yeah. People, yeah. You, you, you hit the nail right on the head. People don't buy on Amazon to buy on Amazon. They buy because they see the experience of Amazon. They see themselves using the product on Amazon. I think that's very key and very important in, in really taking your two magic bullets, your impressions and conversions and gluing them together. Right. I think you mentioned that in a lot of your podcasts is, you know, you have the impression and you have the conversion, but uh, really connecting with the buyer, whether it through through media carousel, through your titles. And I know a lot of people in, in SEO, there's a golden triangle, right? There's the golden pyramid of how people shop. I believe in Amazon, there's almost the same type of thing, but people see your image, people see your main image, and then people see the carousel images. The colors are important. You know, are they cool colors? Are you selling a sleepy tea? You know, and do you want to kind of uh, how do you want to frame that? I think that's very important to really connect because we're limited. Um, SEM Rush recently did a poll in September of users on Amazon and how much what the traffic looks like. 25% of uh, traffic was through desktop, 75% of traffic was through mobile. I think that's very important. More people own 
phones than they do computers. And I think getting not only your product psychologically connected, but that you can quickly look at it on your phone as you're going through and hit a lot of subliminal uh, messaging through that, whether it be showing people being comfortable, right? Because people associate that. Uh, it's, it's a lot of feelings and emotions. And some people are right-brained and some people are left-brained. And the, the true power is the combination of both, to connect with both. And sometimes it's very hard to do, but sometimes you can, you, uh, I believe, A-B testing. Shaf was a real big, uh, your previous guest, he talked about A-B testing. I think that's so important in understanding really and fine-tuning uh, you know, your your products, your your titles, your pictures, uh, and your bullet points, and your A-plus content as well, to continuously refine and see what connects and what resonates better. Okay. So, well, I mean, you, you are like uh, drinking from a fire hose. So, you, you cited a lot of things. I want to get into those. So, um, this poll that you cited, 25% uh, desktop, 75% mobile. Let's unpack that a little bit in terms of what to do, right? Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, how many characters do you get in a title? Uh, depending on your category, you get between 100 to 200. Some categories are limited to 130, uh, but most about most of it is about 180, 200 characters. And that's not a lot of space. Uh, for Sometimes you have a lot of keywords, right? Especially if you have something technical. Um, so you uh, depending on grocery category, sometimes it's very, very limited. Sometimes you have like tech category, betting, where you have a little bit more room to work with and a little bit more wiggle room. Okay. So... As you know, title is very important. So uh, coupled with the product picture, people do a search. They put the search term in the search box, up comes the search results right there. They're looking at the picture and they are looking at the title. And, and they are looking to see if this is for them. So right there, that's my first magic bullet. I always say click-through rate. You want to get more people to click on it so they come to your product page. So picture now the point you're making, emotional connection, they need to see themselves using that product. That means your main product image demographically must connect with your primary audience, right? Yes. So uh, in addition, the title has to say that it is for me. Uh, for example, I had a client sold supplements. And when he came to me, he said he wanted to sell supplements for anybody who wants to build muscle. Right? Okay, who is that? Right? <laughs> so I said, listen, you have to pick an audience. So what we did, we positioned it for CrossFit people. Awesome. So now you have a title that says, for CrossFit athletes, and I'm a CrossFit athlete compared to several other listings, which one am I going to click on, right? It's obvious. It's a no-brainer. So that's the kind of title. So the reason why I mentioned this after bringing up how long is the title mm -hmm. is 75% of your audience being on mobile how many characters do they see? Very good point. Not a lot. It's, it's a subliminal. I tell you how many. 95. And it has oh. nothing to do with category. 
It has to do with how many they allow. And what happens after 95, not 96, 95, they put dot, dot, dot. Mm. Do you think anybody sees what's after dot, dot, dot? No. Nope. So, yeah, so that's one way. So the study that you mentioned is so valuable. And this is how you take advantage of that study. Make sure the demographic mention of your product in the title is before 95 characters are up. Yes. Uh, and then you tie that to the uh, product picture to make that emotional connection, you're gonna get higher impression. Yes. So uh, the next thing that you mentioned is your content on the product page. So give us your take. What is the best way to structure it? And then what are some key things that you can recommend uh, so that we have that emotional connection with the audience? Uh, it's a great question, Nick. Um, I think it's uh, it's subjective to the type of product it is, and it's subjective to your demographic. That's why I encourage testing. Uh, however, what I encourage is looking at what the landscape looks like uh, in total and superseding what anybody else is doing. If you see 70% of uh, counter sellers, people that are selling a like product, are using certain kind of uh, keywords or emotional triggers, I think it's important to notate why they're doing that. Looking through and answering questions before they can be even asked is very critical to speeding up that sales process. Going through feedback of, of your um, biggest competitors, going through their help section and seeing, hey, what are people asking for? What are people voting? If I can answer those questions with my bullets and still uh, in, in such a very simple way and my pictures, and that will that will make that sale uh, that much faster and your conversions will be higher. So it does take a little bit of research uh, and it's very hard. Uh, some, some people really care about a guarantee and a warranty. Some people really care about the purity and the quality of their ingredients, right? For a beauty product, what's important? Um, rapport and quality. Do people trust this product and, and you know, do other influencers use it and other people trust it in certain industries? Or, and where are your ingredients coming from? Are they organic ingredients? Are they certain ingredients that are like stem cells or apple stem cells, uh, for instance? Um, that's really important. And then are you chemically treated or not? Some pillow protectors are 100% cotton, whereas a lot of the market is a chemically uh, polyurethane bonded with polyester treated for the same exact, same purpose, right? Two different approaches to, to doing it. One is just super tight knit where you have a 2.6 micron. And a lot of people, they don't understand the difference, but they see a price point. And it's really um, kind of connecting what people are looking for. And if they even care about that feature and that point and seeing how is it used across the marketplace? Are they having success with it? And then initiating A-B testing for positioning, because some people might see something first, some people might see something last. You know, you might want to end with like a warranty because people uh, for makeup, for instance, there some of them are like, oh, this is a big investment, right? I'm paying $30 for a four ounce cream. Can I easily return it? Maybe that's what they care about uh, because they have, there's not enough trust built. Um, in that product. So there's a lot of different uh, uh, approaches and it, it really depends on what your category looks like and what your um, what your demographic looks like. And that, that really uh, takes testing uh, to kind of understand. Yeah. So uh, 
tell me what your take is on something that I, I always advocate for. Uh, there's a few things I advocate for to, to kind of uh, strategically structuring the product page. First and foremost, the most important on that page is the, the images. Yes. Not the main image. The main image has done its job, brought the shopper to the page. Title has done its job to, to bring the shopper to the page. Once they are on the page, the main image or the title, not as important as the rest. Then it's the rest of the images. So the rest of the images need to tell the story. In those images, use cases are important. Mm -hmm. uh, infographics are important. So here is one uh, theory I have is that picture of infographics. Those are basically features and benefits of it, but you put it in a picture format. Even if you put text, you have to put, you have to spice it up. It has to demonstrate it with some kind of a picture that almost should mirror the bullets. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, basically, yeah. You. Uh, it's very close. They should. They should be answering that same uh, kind of uh, thing and and bringing the same emphasis. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and you do have six carousel images, seven if you're not using a um, uh, a video, and that's more room. So you do have room to to kind of take your bullets, incorporate them because you. The first thing you see when you go on a product listing are the carousel, are the images. You're scrolling down mobile, especially if such a heavy amount of people are mobile. I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. You in that and that's a um a tip to subliminally also like they're going through the images and then they go through the bullet points so they they kind of see the image and then boom it connects together with with uh, uh you connect both your carousel images and your bullets together as the flow of the page on mobile. Yeah. Now uh, tell me if I'm if uh, if I'm accurate with this, but in the item template and of course different categories have different templates, but. Mm -hmm. uh, fundamentally, there are 12 image URLs you can put in the item template. No? Uh, I think 10. There's 10. Some categories have swatch images, uh, but there's, yes. uh, it, and it could it could vary uh, back and forth. Yes. If you click on it, but you have to physically click on it on the desktop and then go through it. Um, that's the, uh, that's kind of the key differences. Yeah. You, you can load it. You also have actually 10 bullet points. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with where you can actually load up more than just um, the five bullet points. However, um, they've had consequences. They have some benefits and they have some negatives that I've tried tested before with a with a specific brand of putting in a sixth bullet point and a seventh bullet point um yeah. and there's pluses and minuses yeah so uh, i mean different categories have different templates uh, one yes. one thing that i always tell people you know guys don't go to seller central and click on the listing and then upload your images please don't do that just put urls for god's sake don't you because it's not a good way first of all what are your, look, how much time we're talking about, uh, we're spending talking about images, right? These are your mm -hmm. assets. So oh, yeah. when you have a, a, a Rolex watch or you have some uh, diamond necklace or whatever, you don't just, uh, you know, put it just anywhere carelessly, right? So it stays mm -hmm. in a safe. So your digital assets should be somewhere online, not secret necessarily, but somewhere mm -hmm. online and and they have their they should have their own urls 
And then whenever you need to distribute it, you just simply send the URL. It's much easier to manage for promotions, campaigns. I'm not talking just product images. Any image you have, you basically put it in a hosting environment with its own domain, and then you have a URL. So now you want to use them in Amazon uh, item template, plug in the URL. That's what the template does anyway. And with template, you have a lot more flexibility than uploading things, right? So, oh, yeah. So that's that's my recommendation. So from mm -hmm. there, I remember seeing uh, 12. Nevertheless, it's not two or three. Definitely use the whole thing, right, to your advantage. Yeah, 100%, as much as you can. Um, and, I, and I encourage everyone to uh, um, build product listings through flat files versus building it on the front end. Because going through the flat files and looking, putting the optics on it, there's things that you miss. There's things that Amazon wants like FCC or like C CPSIAs or anything. Those things you can miss very easy if you're only going through the front end. Uh, not only that, but you actually see uh, in updating listings, if you have multiple listings, you can update your listings like this. You keep all of your images there. Let's say on your digital asset management platform, which which Nick, you, you pointed out, very critical and important to have for everyone is to have their assets in a way. And if you can tag them, you can search them easily to share with anybody that's working on it, whether it's an influencer, whether it's a consultant that you're hiring, it makes it much more efficient and easy for somebody to go in and say, okay, where are we at? What can we utilize in the business? We're rebuilding an A plus template. What do we already have? And, um, and uploading that if you have your deep links, which I agree with you as well, is have your links in the URL fields in your template. That way you just upload it over, you know, you put up a second version next time your update goes live you're going to have that latest version on there um and it's just more efficient it's faster and it's a full update sometimes things you save on the front end don't necessarily save properly and you get that you create a case and then amazon gives you the whole um dog and pony show about oh you have to delete the item and put a new uh, relist the product again or you have to push oh through a flat file <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it yeah i mean by the way, anybody listening and uh, anybody who's wondering, digital asset man management system. So yes, that is the right thing. But you know what it is? It's an Excel file in my book. So anybody listening, guys, just drop me an email. I'll send you the template. And it's the best template, easy to use. So uh, I, I recommend just keeping it there. And then you all, you start a hosting account. I usually recommend, you know, whatever your domain name is, blah, blah.com. Uh, you just create another one called blah, blah, content.com. And then yep. put everything up there. Then every image gets its own URL. You can do anything you want with it. And anytime you want to distribute, it's an Excel file. So, and by the way, if you want to replace, if you want to discontinue any of the images and replace it with something else, all you have to do is just swap the image. The URL stays the same, right? So, Yep. Um, I mean, I, it wasn't my intention to get into this specific what, with this, but it's so important, save so much time. So we were talking about connecting the infographic to the bullet. So that's yep. uh, the theory that I had. So so you say it's uh, subliminally, uh, it's it, it because they're seeing the picture, they're reading the words, and then they're reading the bullets and say, oh, it's, it's a confirmation of it, right? Yeah. Uh, so the other theory I have is, they, re, they when they land on the page, they look at the, the main picture, of course. Mm -hmm. Then they start going through the pictures. 
once they go through the pictures and they're satisfied or they're looking for more, they start scanning through the bullets. They read the first bullet. They read the second bullet. <laughs> the rest, not really. <laughs> so, so, uh, so my theory is your first bullet and the second bullet, they are the closers because they are looking at the picture. They had, the, had a good idea. They looked at, by the way, this is assuming you have enough reviews and your mm -hmm. price is good. And uh, then they're looking at the first bullet and the second bullet. By the time they get to the second bullet, they're done. They decided. Your, however, your last bullet is the closer. So you know what I say? I say put 100% satisfaction guarantee. It's a no-brainer. They're going to get a refund anyway. It's, if it's FBA, Amazon will refund. So it comes at no cost. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a guarantee that I was mentioning earlier of like, uh, you know, you buy, you try a product, you're worried about spending so much money. You kind of just close out with, you know, hundred percent satisfaction guarantee. If you have any questions, reach out to us and we'll make it better. And I think that's very important yeah. to also show your, your customer service. Cause that's something that some people are just used to Amazon, just, you know, uh, not giving the best service or some are not the best experience. You want to make it super simple. If somebody wants to return it, let them return it. Even if it's been past their 30 days, if it's if you look at your full profit and loss and and you should have a buffer of of like 10%, 15% for returns and and just eat it. Let's that's one way when I worked with uh with the two brothers uh and I was growing this, I just said, you know what? Screw it. We're we're making profit. Uh people are being happy. We had literally like 10,000 feedback, 100% positive uh seller feedback um and and uh and people love the product itself. That helps, you know. Having good quality product, but just just do as much better customer service. And eBay is so hard as well. eBay is a is a different type of mindset and a different type of uh, person that's shopping on there, and they're much more critical. That's one thing I love about eBay is that people are more vocal. If they don't like your product, they will let you know about it and just take care of everybody. I, I guess you know have an omni-channel experience where you're on different networks. Uh, but uh, but just uh, take care of everyone. I think that's really important. And you drive that home really in your last point. Uh, and I think I'm 100% agree with you. It's so important. Yeah. So focus on the first and the second bullet. Make sure that that connects with the audience. And then make sure that that connects with your infographic picture. And then make that closer. The bullet number three and four, not really important as much as first and second. Title, forget it, has no function once they are on the page. And then there is still a little bit of room. Uh, and then uh, that room in the doubt zone, so to speak, then you close that with your A+. So yep. that that's my theory. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, also one thing I want to uh, add to to what you're saying is that your um, your title also shouldn't just be a hodgepodge of different keywords. It should still be, uh, you know, you can still say it and, and it's not like just a, you know, high uh, buzzwords over and over again. You still want it to make a little bit of sense, right? Like, um, like if you're selling a pillow, you know, you want to have soft, comfortable, breathable pillow and not just uh, breathable pillow, soft, comfortable. You still want it to make sense because even if they don't look at it, uh, necessarily, they're still subliminally reading it, and that adds to to their um, uh, their their emotions and how the cadence of the buy, you know. Because, yeah. mm -hmm. So, 
I want to ask you something else. Uh, let's see if you use this. Uh, <laughs> it's about subliminal messages that you can plant in your listing. You mentioned feedback of competition. You know, when I say feedback, I'm talking about reading the reviews on their listings and mm -hmm. then trying to figure out what it is that people are looking for. Um, give us some practical way to do that. So you're not suggesting go into every single com uh, competitor's review, read it, right? So plus mm -hmm. there are good ones, the bad ones. So how do you give us some practical tips on how to analyze that? Uh, there's really good tools. Helium 10 is a really good tool. Um, there's Jungle Scout tools and Helium 10 has a review tools where you can kind of uh, look at the look at the reviews and it clusters different um, uh, words together and it clusters different uh, comments together. Uh, look at their negative reviews. That's really important uh, and see what people are talking about and what people hate because most people that are vocal are like negative. You know, they'll still be very, very vocal about that. And then something I can give you a direct example. I had a client that were selling melatonin uh, and the uh, the next competitor, their, their biggest competitor was uh, adding microcrystalline as an ingredient in their component. And you know what? It's, it's wood pulp. That's what it is. So on my carousel image, I put two pictures our product, their product, right? Like, uh, and you don't have to necessarily name it by brand, but what's what's our fill? 90% melatonin, 10% rice hulk or something like that. Uh, and then the components, 90% melatonin, unknown grade, unknown quality, and then microcrystalline, aka wood pulp. Boom, you put it together right there. And because, you know, a lot of some people, they just, they want more clean things in their body. And that's a direct approach that I took uh, with a client to kind of uh, push into a lot of sales. Um, it was a crazy story in itself where they had a, a person that was working with them and they took their formula and was selling it against them. Um, so it was a, it was a um, recapture campaign that we did. And we took that kind of approach to it. And I think it, uh, we're right now counter selling uh, at the equivalent level. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you the example that I had. It's so much fun, this. So first of all, I want to spell out for anybody listening because it's, a, it's not like it doesn't jump at you. So uh, if you guys, if you pull up it's listing, that is your competition. And it's the, you had the reviews there. You had, you know, you had the whole thing. Bring up Helium 10. In Helium 10, what you're going to do is you're going to go to review analysis uh, or review tracker. There's, there's one option there in Helium 10. Browser extension. We're talking about the browser extension, not inside Helium 10 portal. But in browser extension, go to review analysis or review tracker. And then uh, you can select. You want to look at what stars, five stars, three stars. You can select them all. You can select the date range, but by default, it's going to bring up everything for everything. So uh, select the, the good ones. I usually split into categories, three and up. What are mm -hmm. those? And then uh, one and two. So what I do is I get that up. Once you get that up, it will give you a list of all the reviews. That's not what you want. There is a tab. In the tab, it, it says phrase analysis or review analysis or something like that. You go to that tab. Now what you have is a list of all the key phrases used across all those reviews 
that were scanned and how many times those phrases were used. Mm -hmm. So right there, if you pulled up the list for one and two, which is bad, you know the negative phrases they used most frequently. And then if you pulled up the positive ones, you know the positive phrases that were used. Now, how do you use this? So what we did, you did, what you did is very similar to what we did. What we did was my client being supplements, he was selling collagen. Collagen is very competitive. Oh, yeah. In those review analysis, we saw morning coffee several times repeated, like the highest. You know what we did? We took the main product image. We put the, the bottle supplements. We had an image theme around it. And, but most important, we put a coffee mug with coffee in it. So that's what awesome. does that tell you? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, awesome. yeah. that's what people were thinking. So that's how you make use of it. You can also put those keywords in your bullets because people are reading the bullets. That's where they're making that connection. So that's another way uh, to make that subliminal connection. And, and it's great. Yeah, the human mind work is so amazing. Uh, there's so many different facets to it. And uh, I think it's just ever evolving and really connecting uh, NLP and uh, selling and emotions are really big because sometimes we're, we're emotion driven where, you know, humans are emotion driven. And I think there's so much power in, uh, in looking at like, look at Coca-Cola, you know, Coca-Cola. They, they show their bottle, they show like sweat on the bottle, right? Because it's cool, it's refreshing. That's subliminally, without even saying anything, they're they're telling you that it's a cool, refreshing drink. It's so smart. Uh, and it's, uh, I think emotions are a lot of TV. If you start looking, really looking at things and looking at competitors and, and different, uh, how different agencies approach things, you'll see more and more, you'll be more conscious of, oh, I understand why they did that. Why is there a water uh, texture, you know, behind, um, you know, this image? Why, why does this look like this? Uh, I think it's so powerful and subliminal messaging will help your conversions because impressions are easy. Conversions uh, are, are much more difficult uh uh, task and understanding that we don't have heat maps like you have on a website, right? You go on a website, you can set up an analytic system. You see how people are looking, are people buying, where are they clicking? We don't have those tools on Amazon. We have reports, which don't really do much for you. Sometimes they do. They give you a little bit of insight. Um, I think, and, and I think where uh, that's where A/B testing is really important and experiments within Amazon. Now that they give you the ability to do so, I think it's it's awesome. Um, and I think I'm hoping we get more tools like that for everybody. Yeah, I mean that's the new feature you're referring to for brand registered sellers. They go to brands and under brands they have manage experiments, mm -hmm. and right there they can load up. They have options for main image, uh, A plus content, bullets, title, and there's one more thing I forget, but um, you basically load different versions of it. My mm -hmm. only warning there is do not change too many things at the same time and give enough time for the change that you made to show the results. So uh, that's otherwise you don't know what's affecting the result, right? Yeah, yeah, very, very. And you, I, what kind of time frame, Nick, would you say would be a good one? Like a week, two weeks, four, you know, a month? I was just going to ask you that, but I <laughs> usually say at least two weeks. 
two weeks, 14 days. I think that's a fair trial. Um, 14 days, 30, 30 days, I think is good. Sometimes you can know really quickly if there's a big, if you change a title and you notice, boom, 25% uplift within a week, you can kind of tell. But I, I think it's like the same approach with ads, right? You want to give ads like 14 days, uh, a month, three months to really understand what the whole cycle looks like. Yeah. I mean, this is the hard part of, uh, if you like a startup, it's the hardest. But even for a mature operation, you need to be testing things all the time because things become stale. So uh, you can't just find the success uh, quickly because you need to test and every test takes time and every test has to be by changing one thing at a time. So therefore, you, you know, any idea you come up with, it's going to take time before you know this idea is good or not. So that's why it, the, the key is one thing at a time and give it enough time. Uh, now the other, so this is really a good segue to the next part of this discussion. So we've done all this work. Let's say we've done all this work. We put the pictures, we put the everything, we tested and blah, blah. How are we measuring our success? What is the metric? What is the indicator that we're looking at? Uh, in terms of uh, titles or or conversions or anything, a anything that we were so. Why do we want to change the picture? Because we want better results, right? Yes, yes, and sales. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the what is the indicator of better results? Um, if you have like a main image, your indicator is your click through, right? And your titles. I think that's a really big indicator. Uh, and then your second indicator is conversions. Look, doing the same, uh, if you're doing 14 days, if you're looking 14 days, look at 14 days back and see how your rankings were. Look at look at if you moved up, look at if you moved down. Um, Helium 10 is a fantastic tool for rank tracker also for keywords. Have your keywords been positioned better in that time frame, um, Or are they having a negative repercussion? And they're going, uh, they're going up instead of going down in your in your rankings. Um, I think there's a couple of different ways to do it. Uh, uh, titles are click throughs really important, um, and then just um, conversions are important. You know, if you're running ads, see how your ads are converting. If you're, uh, are you getting more click through? Are you at you know 0 0.025, and then you run it for 30 days and you jump to 0.25. Uh, percent uh, click-through rating. You know that means that you change your display picture. You put fruits in there, and boom! Instantly, within a week, you see like, wow, I'm getting uh, like you know five x uh, click-throughs, but I'm not converting on that sale. Then you know, uh huh, okay, I see that. I, what else am I missing on that page that I need to convert that sale? I got people coming in. People are interested. I got the hook in. How do I reel them in? Yeah. So. You know, you know, you cited one of the things that I I mentioned in different podcasts as the two magic bullets. You know, click throughs and conversion. So ultimately, so bottom line, what we're talking about is looking at data. So again, being the the kind of passionate person about data and spending a lot of time on it, what I always tell people is very simple approach people need to take when you're driving your car down the highway you don't look at how fast you're going when you get in the car at the beginning of the journey or halfway through the journey 
or right at the end and say, oh, I was doing 55 miles an hour. I was doing 45 miles. An hour. Your eyes are on it. And you know for a fact that you can check your speed at any point in time. That's how you look at data. In other words, downloading reports from Seller Central or logging on to Seller Central and looking at it, it does not mean anything. All it is, is it's you sitting behind the wheel halfway through your journey, looking at how fast you're going once. Well, guess what? Two minutes later, you know, a cop may pull you over because <laughs> you, you stepped on it slightly. <laughs> uh, so that's how, that's how dangerous it can be looking at data just with those fractions. Mm -hmm. The right way to look at data is first and foremost, over a period of time compared to the same period of time. Mm -hmm. In addition, you don't wanna look at numbers, you wanna look at the visualized version of it because you can pick up the fluctuations or outliers much, much more easily than just looking at numbers. So this is where the, the challenge comes in because ultimately, what do you have that reports the conversion rate on the product page as the source? It's business reports, right? Mm -hmm. Well, business reports don't mean anything unless you do everything that I described. So give us your take on the best use of those business reports. How do you, uh, how do you use them so that you get the most out of it? Uh, that's a good point. I mean, you, you can quickly look. So there's a difference between business reports and transactional reports. Transactional reports are actual money dumped and actual products moved. I encourage you to look at transactional reports over business reports because there's a lot more that goes into it and it fluctuates, right? Like you look at uh, sponsored ads, you look at, you see a good success, but then two days later, you look back at that day and you get it um, and, and you look at, uh, I would say a week back, look at your weekly cycle, build your own Excel reports of weekly waves of how things are moving. If, did you move 20 units this week? Did you move 15 units this week? Look at those trends and associate the dates with when you put in those experiments and when you're testing things and see, oh, wow, I changed uh, my display images. I changed my media carousel. I saw 25% growth between four weeks of, of the year. And I think that's very important to look at it on a week by week on a transactional uh, view. Um, and and uh, that's when you see the real power of, you know, are you moving things? Are you selling things? Using different tools. Seller Legend is a really awesome tool to look at your PL also. Uh, Sellerize has really good tools. Um, there's different platforms that take that data and take all the different types of reports and put it into a digestible format. And I think testing it out, uh, building your own also a uh, small Excel sheet of, you know, weekly uh, changes to your SKUs. Uh, that's going to be really important too. S different tools can give you uh, tacos. And I think tacos are very important to look at. That's your total advertising cost of sale. Incorporating that into your full P&L is very, very important. And that shifts, that goes up and down, right? You could, you could go on FBA calculator, punch in a few numbers and see, wow, you know, I'm making $4 per sale. But what's the advertising cost and what's the actual advertising impact and uplift of your ad sales with your or 
organic sales? And are you within a healthy range to actually make money? Because we can sell products for a loss any day. You could put something for a dollar, five dollars, have free shipping and lose a lot of money. Um, or you can um, you can make profit. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> um, or you can you can uh, put yourself in a position and look at your competitors and the historicals. I think that's very important because prices fluctuate. We don't always see it, but prices are fluctuating with every 15 minutes sometimes. It gets very aggressive. Uh, as as a front end users, we might not always notice that, but it's happening. You use good tools like Keepa to kind of understand the fluctuations. It's also very important. So yeah, looking at both reports and not limiting yourself. If you have access to VC data, Vendor Central, they have demographic data. They have way, way more powerful data than sellers do. And I really wish in the future that uh, Amazon will consider giving sellers uh, that kind of data as well to see what kind of demographics and how people are buying. Um, and I think that will help uh, grow more organic sellers on Amazon as well. Kind of giving people the tools and, and showing them the methodologies of how to use these tools is really important. Well, Amazon is making a lot of changes in terms of how much data they share. So I'm sure some of the stuff will be coming. But I want to go back uh, to something you said, um, just to give a different perspective of it, so that we are looking at the complete picture. So uh, this kind of is the translation of a philosophical question. So why do you want to start a business, right? So if the answer is, I just want to make money, that really is not the right answer. It's something that you feel passionately about, that you have been uh, innovative enough so that you created something and, and you're selling it uh, because you feel passionately about it. That's why you start a business. And you make money as a byproduct. So uh, that's usually the, the motive that will generate great results, not good results, but great results, because your passion will, will be uh, transformed into cash. So unit sales, when you make changes to the product pictures or anything like that, Unit, first of all, it's important to make that distinction, not the dollar value in sales, but the unit sales. That's what you are referring to, right? Because you can yeah. change your price, you can give coupons, but it's number of units you are selling. That's the one to track. Yes. But in my book, unit sales are byproducts of another driver as a result of an action you took. The action you took is the change in the content. Yes. The unit sales are the results. What is the driver? Conversion rate. Yeah, that's very true. Yes. <laughs> so, so, you know what? I can say to you, you know what? I sold so many units, um, but, you know, I don't know what will happen because there is another variable here. So let's say you were driving, uh, I don't know, you were getting 20,000 unique visitors to the page, okay, unique sessions as business reports uh, show it. 20,000 unique uh, sessions. And you got X number of units sold. You made the change 
Now you got 25,000 units. I mean, 25,000 unique, ses uh, unique sessions. Mm -hmm. If your conversion rate went from 18% to 20%, that's one thing. If you went from 20,000 unique visitors to 120,000 unique visitors and your conversion rate stayed flat, guess what? That's a good thing. Of course, you're going to have more unit sales. But what you have now is another piece of information that says that, oh, my conversion stabilized. I can now scale this campaign and, and go to 200,000, 500,000 unique sessions. That's why I put premium on conversion rate rather than unit sales. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that's that's great. Um, I'm kind of uh, um, I don't know how accurate the business report data is. That's that's my other portion of that because on advertising you can see impressions, right? But the the uh, business reports they fluctuate. So I think it's a good heartbeat indicator, um, and I would take plus minus to that, right? Because um, I think that that's an approach that I would take, but I think you're absolutely right. Um, you could, cause you, you know, if you have 25,000 uh, impressions and you sold 50 units, if you had 50,000 uh, impressions and you sold a uh, hundred units, you wouldn't really have growth, right? You would just have more traffic that converted at the same rate. So I think you bring up a really good perspective of uh, uh, add in a component of your impressions for the time period and, and also the weight of the impressions and your conversions. How was your conversion trend going? I think that's that's a very valid point, Nick. Yeah. So uh, again, for the listeners' benefit, as we record this, it's October of 2022, and Amazon recently changed how they calculate conversion rate. And by the way, they call it unique session percentage or USP, as some people call it. Uh, in the old days, old days being a, couple, a month or so ago, um, they used to calculate USP or conversion rate, as we call it, as number of visitors landed on the page, number of unique sessions, divide by number of pieces sold. So if somebody came to the page, that's one visitor. They bought two pieces. You had 200% conversion. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're not doing that anymore. Yeah. yeah it's per order. So... Uh, that's something to keep in mind. A lot of people that I, I mean, the reason why I'm so stuck on this because we have a, an analytics platform, a mm -hmm. SaaS platform that reports, that works off of business reports and then it visualizes the data and, and I do the reviews on them for our clients, and our subscribers. And I, uh, I, I was having one meeting last week and, and, and this gentleman said, you know, something is wrong because our conversions dropped drastically and we did nothing. And I said, that's because the calculation changed. <laughs> so what was before based on number of pieces, now it's based on number of orders. So that's why it's important to keep that in mind. Oh, so and if I, can... uh, I mean, it, you know, this conversation can go on forever, right? <laughs> 
Yeah. If I can add on to that also, I had a conversation with Feedvisor and we were talking about conversions and PPC conversions. And one metric is that you can have somebody click on a variation and that spend can be on a variation, but they convert it on a different variation. And Amazon's uh, sponsored advertising platform can't necessarily account for that yet. Um, that's something that I think that they're working on of kind of having that. So I think also just to add into that is look at your uh, parentage conversion as well, not just your single uh, variation conversion, because sometimes the data is not always one to one. And you and sometimes you get a better by looking at the whole parentage. If you have like different colors, right, different color variations, a, a different perspective to look into. Yeah, I mean, I always uh, look at the data at child skew level. So if mm -hmm. uh, you look at the child skew data, you know how many people looked at it, you know how many people bought it, and then that's that's a, an easy one so that you can avoid mistakes. So, uh, Alex, tell us a little bit about you. So I'm dying to hear, I introduced you as a guy that nobody would hire. Now, here you are talking about how to do things. So clearly, you made some people eat their words. So uh, tell us, uh, tell us about, where you grew up let's start there uh, i grew up in illinois and uh i uh, we came over to the united states when i was about three and a half years old um and we kind of go into uh, public schools uh, i was very new i went to esl uh when when i first uh, got into there english wasn't my first language um but i kind of learned very quickly and just going through public schools and kind of um uh, talking with people, learning the culture. I think culture is super important. You know, the, uh, America is such a unique place. And I think this is one of the only countries that you can actually come from nothing and, and achieve and have a business uh, just by having an idea and inspiration. And I was always interested in technology. I always worked with computers for a really long time, breaking them, fixing them, uh, doing everything I can, learning the insides and outsides. And uh, after high school, I really kind of got interested in uh, the web side of things. I worked with Optics Planet uh, for a little bit doing web content management and search engine optimization. And uh, I was always uh, a kid that loved video games and I still love video games, but I think that really helped me because you, you uh, challenge yourself and you challenge your brain. Um, and I really love that about uh, video games is that there's a lot of strategy in some video games um, that uh, you start making connections early in your brain. And it really helps you kind of formulate, how do you go around the box? You know, do you go through the box? Do you go around the box? Do you weave in and out of the box? And that's kind of fueled me, whether going to Minecraft and uh, selling servers with my brother uh, at an early age. We, we were building servers and selling servers and selling like um, game servers uh, as we were playing games. I was always interested in streaming, too. I did streaming in Justin TV uh, way back in the day. I did streaming in Twitch TV, too. I kind of found that wasn't really my my niche. I love playing games, but um, there's a, only so much you can, you can do uh, from that. Um, and I started working with Optics Planet, and I started getting into web and I got a, an opportunity to work with uh, two brothers. I'm very thankful and grateful uh, for that opportunity. It allowed me to learn a lot. It allowed me to really challenge my own skills and try something different and fail uh, and fail forward. I think that's really important is fail. Uh, it, you know, they say fail fast, but I think just failing and getting back up is really important. Um, and made a lot of mistakes. Uh, we got taken down three times, as you mentioned. Um, we were selling CPAP goods that was uh, blacklisted on Amazon. We went from selling a lot. I was We were doing like uh, $40,000 orders twice a week in purchasing, uh, taking that. And I was building like these plans. I would write 
in the beginning, actual handwritten thank you notes to all of the people that were buying it um, on just a, a ship station. So we'd print out the, the a rope, as I called it. So you print out a rope, which is your FBM orders. You you just tear the rope out. You know, you organize what um, SKUs go where. And I was writing like, you know, thank you. And, and I have a smiley face on there, putting the personal touch because I, lo I loved uh, what I did. And I love helping people and allowing people to breathe easier uh, and save money at the same time. Um, and that stemmed into um uh working with medline amazon took that whole sector down uh because it was uh, rx only and uh back then my uh the two brothers they had several businesses uh so they were selling medline and um i started listing creams uh, lotions pill crushers band-aids uh maternity belts uh a lot of, i did my own kind of research or saw what was selling and i started using repricing tools and different technologies to kind of play the game right i, I call it doing the dance um, where you're competing, you're going up in price, you're going down in price, you're competing against Amazon, you're competing against different sellers. If you're just static, you're not going to really make a lot of progress. You have to be dynamic. Amazon is a dynamic platform. Um, and that kind of, I learned a lot of important lessons on, on what not to do and what to do. And uh, I learned how to FBA prep. I just kind of learned a lot of things. Uh, Amazon had come into that business um, and uh, they uh, kind of took that contract from everybody that was selling online. Um, and afterwards, Amazon had devalued the brand uh, by 20%. Uh, and launched a counter brand uh, to it. Um, so that's that was that um, that was really hard too because we were we started generating a lot and we started doing really good in that sector. Uh, and then came the air filters, working with April Air and working with uh, you know selling whole home filters. Um, we ramped it up. We had eight uh, eight cases or five cases, eight eight units per case, and that kind of um, stemmed into selling thirteen and a half thousand units a month. Uh, just with like two people in operation, bringing literally eight, nine skids in and out, uh, creating processes, making multi-listings, two packs, four packs, eight packs, whole whole quantities, getting into components and everything that got involved in it. As, as there was a trend of people DIY, people were doing things themselves. Um, and then we got uh, um, Amazon came in. They, uh, because April is a private owned company, they took the contract. Well, they didn't take the contract, they became a distributor um, and they entered the mar market in a very aggressive way. And we went from doing 13 and a half thousand units to doing under a thousand units a month. And that's a big shift. So I had lost my, uh, my job then because it's not sustainable, right? I can only do so much. Uh, and I'm very thankful for that too, actually, looking back at it, uh, because it allowed me to really grow and allowed me to continue challenging myself and, and help a lot more people. Uh, I think Jim Rohn says it best is when you can help everyone have what they want, you can have everything that you want. Um, and I think that's a that's a methodology that I'm uh, taking and learning and failing. I'm still learning. I'm still making mistakes. But um, and I encourage anyone that's kind of going through the same thing of you know keep keep going forward, keep keep getting up. If if you can uh, look up, you can get up. I think that's a, Les Brown said that. Uh, it's very well, hold on. You, you, yeah, I I I caught something deep uh, that you said earlier. And you just said also another one, but I want to go back to that one. Fail forward, you said. So I haven't heard it, but I, I've heard pay forward, but uh, fail forward, I haven't heard. I know, you know, just failing as fast as possible. You, I, I always say when I hire somebody, make as many mistakes as possible, as fast as possible. So that, <laughs> that's what I say. 
uh, uh, but uh, the only rule is don't make the same mistake twice. Uh, so that's the idea, but now you put it as failing forward. So where, where did you learn to fail forward? And what was, how does one, because failing is not a good thing. So a lot of people, a lot of families actually look down on you, you know, if you are a failure, right? So um, what was it like in your family with your mom and dad? Did they encourage you to fail or did they encourage you when you failed? How did you learn to fail forward? Um, that's a great question. And uh, how I learned to fail forward was um, I watched a lot of motivational videos uh, back when I kind of was going through uh, losing my job. And my parents always encouraged me just to be myself and to, you know, keep trying different things. And um, what I was doing, um, they come from a different type of mindset. Uh, in the Soviet Union, in Ukraine, you don't really have like web businesses and you don't really do different things that I'm doing. So they were kind of new to it. And they saw that uh, uh, I'm just trying different things. I made a lot of success and they were very supportive. I'm very, very thankful and grateful for my parents uh, just supporting me and encouraging me. And I, I take failing forward as not just failing, but learning what, what led to the failure and how you can uh, take that failure and turn it into a lesson versus just a failure. Um, I think that's very important because you can get you can get knocked down, but if you don't look at what happened and kind of try to take corrective steps or try to learn from that, then that, then you're just failing. But if you fail forward, you take lessons that are learned um, and you use them to your advantage. You scars, right? Look at the battlefield. Um, uh, you have a lot of scars and just keep building scars and like I uh, keep uh, almost building muscle. You know, you it takes you tear muscle to build muscle again. And I think that's the same as failing um, if you if you do it in a right way. And I want to end up with what you said next. If you can look up, you can get up, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's a great motto. Fail forward, and if you can look up, you can get up. That's great, uh, Alex. Give us your contact information. How can people reach you? Uh, you can reach me on my LinkedIn, uh, Alexander Migdalovich. Uh, it's A-L-E-K-S-A-N-D-R-M-I-G-D-A-L-O-V-I-C-H. You can reach up uh, in Upwork, and you can also uh, uh, email me um, on my website. There's an email there. So uh, either way, I'm open to connecting. Uh, if you have any questions or if you want to just, you know, talk, I'm absolutely open to helping. I believe um, education is important. And if I can help people, I, I absolutely am very thankful and grateful to be in the position to help people. And, I, and I'm absolutely very thankful, Nick, for you giving me the opportunity to uh, talk and to kind of share my approach and my um, uh, perspective on Amazon. Oh, uh, anytime. I mean, this kind of conversation, uh, it's, uh, it's priceless. And all your contact information will be on our website with your episode together with all the other podcast platforms whenever the episode comes out so people will be able to reach out. And uh, this was great. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And this brings us to the end of another episode and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.